0: Coaches, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. This episode is sponsored by GameStrap. If you're in need of a sideline replay system, check out GameStrap. They have the fastest sideline replay system on the market. They provide 24-7 support during the season, which separates GameStrap from the rest of the competition. Bottom line, making in-game adjustments equals winning more games. So go check out GameStrap on Twitter, at GameStrap, or on the web at www.gametimestrategy.com. We'd also like to take a moment to mention a new sponsor of the podcast this year, Just Play Solutions. I know most of our audience knows about Just Play and how they can take your game preparation to the next level. From scout cards to players quizzing to install, Just Play provides coaches with football playbook and game planning tools to prepare faster and engage today's student-athletes. Make it a priority to check out Just Play this offseason before your league opponents do. Visit www.justplaysolutions.com, sign up for a demo, and let them know we sent you. All right, coaches, uh, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. Uh, Tonight we have Coach Lou Varley. Uh, Lou's the uh, offensive line coach at Peru State College. Coach, how you doing? Doing great. Uh, Excited
1: to talk with you guys and just talk some football, some triple option stuff. Uh, Really, I just, I really enjoy what you guys do as far as bringing all the coaches together and sharing ideas. It's, It's a really special thing. So thanks a lot for the invite.
0: Well, Coach, we're excited to have you. We really, really appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, we know you're busy. Uh, but, hey, why don't you start off maybe, you know, talk about your background for the listeners and, you know, kind of how you got to Peru. Yeah,
1: so it, it's been a long process. I'm ready. I'm getting ready to go into my 45th year. Actually, probably, if you count my student teaching, my 46th year. So uh, I graduated from UNL, and uh, – in Lincoln, and uh, my first job is in Superior. And actually, when I went to college, I was just going to be a math teacher, and I hadn't had a real great experience with football and, in high school, and, and uh, didn't have, I guess, I kind of didn't like the, uh, the experience I had. And, and the coaches were, you know, old uh, service guys, and that's kind of how they coached from. If you couldn't do it, you were a pussy, and get out of the way, and we'll get somebody else there wasn't a lot of technique taught. And then I got to Nebraska and, and walked on in in uh, spring of 72. And, and I never did make it. I had a pre old injury that flared up. And, but in the meantime, I got to bump into a young assistant coach named Tom Osborne. And, and, uh, I was just impressed with the way that all that, all the coaching staff, Cletus Fisher was the old line coach at that time. Uh, his family's a coaching legend here in Nebraska. But, uh, uh, they, they just treated you like they cared about you. And that was something kind of new to me. And I know it wasn't anybody's fault in high school, but that's kind of how it was with, uh, at that era. And uh, I don't know, I just it kind of kindled a spirit in me that, hey, there, there's a different way to go about coaching people and working with. Uh, that got me fired up. Student taught at Lincoln High and got a chance to um, coach under some – what ended up being coaching legends and, and taught me a lot. And was not just about football, but weights and track field and field. The whole thing, and then I took my first job in 1974. I went to career high school, small school on the Kansas border, and, and I had to get there about the time a bunch of good athletes came through. So, you know, we were uh, very successful, and and I just assumed that's how it was always going to be. You know, it seemed, <laughs> seemed like a lot of fun. But I was an assistant there for four years, then I moved to a friend as a uh, small, and right now they're co-op and they're eight-man, but at that time we were 11 11-man school, um, and I moved there as the head football coach, head track coach, junior high wrestling coach, uh, AD, and then I taught chemistry, physics, and math, and uh, drove the bus for, uh, for junior high wrestling and high school wrestling, so did about everything. I was pretty young, uh, but I uh, was there five years, actually met my wife there. Uh, then I moved to Ravenna for five years. We were really successful. We had great, great kids, great athletes. Stay in touch with them to this day. Um, and uh, so we're really blessed to have some success there. And then uh, got a chance to move up and go to Nebraska City, where I currently live. That's a Class B program, in the State of Nebraska. And uh, came in, and we had, again, we had some really good kids. They were young when they got here. Uh, by the time they were seniors, we had a really good season, really strong program. And I stayed here for 20 years, and in the system, taught math, physics, and coached football and track, and you know a little bit of wrestling here and there, and even did some, some basketball when they needed me. But uh, uh, then, I, you know, I got an early—they have an early retirement program. It's not guaranteed through negotiations. You guys that teach in public schools know how that works. Uh, and so uh, I was the right age and had the right amount of years in, in here, and I could early retire. And uh, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that. And so I I pulled the trigger in 2008. Uh, I kept teaching for about three years, uh, one year across the border in Iowa, and then two years in Omaha, Omaha Central. And then uh, Coach Ramsey retired, and he's a legend. I was a longtime coach at Northern Iowa Early Community College, uh, and uh, he's a local guy. He retired, and then I slid into his full-time slot. So I was full-time football ops, coaching whatever position they needed me to, uh, like we said, uh, 13 and 14, I was the co-defensive uh, coordinator, then I moved back over to the offensive side after that, and just have uh, stayed there, it's been really handy, I'm about 20 miles from Peru, uh, and uh, and I this last, uh, well, it'll be a year ago in end of December, you know, I'm old enough, I can start getting paid by Uncle Sam instead of proof-paid, so... Uh, I dropped down to part time just more than anything just to help our uh, our program maybe we could bring some more coaches in and, and use the money they were paying me to you know pay our head coach and, and our head coach was the a d and now he's uh, they have separated those duties so, uh, so that's kind of how I got to where i 'm at right now and just you know, been really lucky to to all along the way to to be associated with some great great people that have, that have Help me, you know, kind of formulate how I do things, and, and also be, uh, you know, just, just a, a good influence on me and the kids around us. So it's been a lot of fun.
0: Hey, uh, real quick, when you were at Nebraska, um, was Burton Burns there? Running back from uh, St. Aug High School in, in New Orleans.
1: Yeah. No, I know who he was. I've met him. Yeah. That was a little later. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we yeah. used to go to all camps, and, and I remember, and then you know, being around the area, Nebraska was always really good about, you know, the open doors and, and and inviting coaches in and being, being able to interact
0: with them. And I I do remember when he was there. Yeah, he played fullback for Tom, I guess. Ooh, mid seventies, probably seventy. Yeah,
1: a little after my,
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, late. yeah, yeah. I remember the name. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> well, so. Maybe talk about, you know, a few of those guys along the way that you kind of you maybe leaned on early, you know, in your career, um, you know, to kind of just, you know, mold and shape you into the, you know, the coach you are, you know, today.
1: Yes, yeah, so, you know, I, I talked a little bit about, funniest thing is, uh you know, start out with my student, my student taught math at a middle school that fed into Lincoln High and Lincoln, and, but I did my coaching at Lincoln High, and I got to be, uh, help with the varsity with the, uh, uh, you know, coaches is there. And uh, so I was able to kind of, you know, see what it was all about at that level. I happened to get a uh, kind of a spring deal where I I got, got credit for basically being a, uh, a gopher for uh, uh, one of the coaches, uh, uh, Coach Coach Ball, or not Coach Ball, but uh, one of the other coaches. And I, 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 my history, I'd run 800 meters. I know I don't look like it now, but I ran 800 meters or play golf. And I just I knew nothing about shot and disc and, and, uh, uh, took me under his wing and, uh, taught me a lot of stuff. And I was lucky that the next, uh, job, but the first job I got, I happened to have a kid that was, as a seventh grader was out throwing it. And he said, I said, well, you need to do this. And he said like this. I said, yeah, exactly like that. Well, he ended up being a, national champion discus thrower, and then his brother's a national champion uh, later on. And now, uh, you know, but it, it was just kind of like, you know, I got a start there at Lincoln High that I think really you know, helped me as I moved forward. And then I went to Superior as a young coach. And uh, uh, so I was really lucky to uh, – you know, with the coach that I, I worked under, um, Pat Avey, uh He took me in. I was young, single, didn't have anything else to do. And we'd go – and that time we still got to use 16-millimeter film. We'd take the film in about 5 in the morning up to Hastings, Nebraska, get it processed back. He had a 16-millimeter projector in his house. We'd put it on, and we'd start watching film of the previous game. And then sometimes we'd get our opponent film back. In those days it was a little tougher getting film. But, you know, I just – I he just took me under his wing and, and really uh, he's a guy that knew a ton of football. And, uh, and obviously we, we ran triple option, And so, you know, the first thing I learned was, uh, you know, 34, 34 option, as he called it, but uh, you know, we, we started out with that and then, and would go from there. So um, that was a big deal because he gave me a chance to actually, uh, you know, kind of get in on the side of coaching that sometimes when you're a young coach, you don't quite, you don't get in on that, but we watched a ton of film, game plan, and all that, so that, that was really big, and then, uh, uh then I moved to friend, I was going to be a head coach, and I was, you know, I think 25, 26 years old, I thought I had all the answers, and, and uh, my D coordinator, uh, was a, a guy that, uh, uh, he was really good about taking kids and teaching them skills that, would allow them to be successful. And I know, especially when I helped coach uh, wrestling with Bob, he uh, he would teach guys wrestling moves and techniques that you could use, even if you weren't the most gifted athlete. And that really rubbed off of me that, you know, you want to do things that are going to allow kids to be successful. Maybe it's not the, the popular way to do things or the most fancy way to do things. But, uh, it, you know, Bob Earhart was a guy that just, he really knew how to, get it down to the kids level. And I think I took that from there. And then uh, I got to go to Ravenna and and, uh, I had a bunch of young there and man, they were great. And uh, we really had a lot of fun. We had good athletes and uh, you know, we had a good run there, but uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, I had an offensive coordinator that hated to lose. Uh, He really enjoyed betting and gambling, but only because he felt like he could control the, outcome somehow. You know, he always thought he was always looking for an inside angle. And uh he was great. Uh got to coach my DNs, lived in my basement. Uh he went on to be uh, one of the best uh, uh basketball coaches in the state of Nebraska outstanding he just passed away two years ago had a battle with cancer but as Paul baronic and he did a great job and um you know Dominic Reichs and Keith Albright other guys we just had a great staff we had great kids those kids now are out doing fantastic things out in the world but uh, it was one of it was a great situation and then uh, you know I thought well I'm gonna go up if like get to a bigger school and I got to Nebraska City and uh, ran into a guy that had been coaching here a guy named Dave Novak and Dave had such a passion for uh, athletics life in general and we really he really helped mold kind of where I'm at today and that is you know We're gonna play hard. We're gonna give great effort. Uh, The things we can control, and I got this from Coach Osborne too, is you know you can control your effort and your attitude. There's a lot of things happen to you in your life, and he always said, you know, you can't control what happens to you. You can't control how you respond to it. So you know we've preached that from almost from day one. But we were really big on playing hard, being physical, Um, you know, and and as Dave would say, probably the best compliment you could have when your team walked off the field would be the opposing coaches, the players come up and say, man, I cannot believe how hard your guys play. You guys play hard. So we really push that because we think, you know, doesn't matter what level we're at, you know, we may not have uh, all American athletic ability, but we can play at an all American effort level and play with that intensity. And, you know, and I think being physical is part of that deal and, We've got – you know, we're a river city. You know, sometimes we're referred to as river rats. But we've got to aspect our kids. They're tough. And, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes we didn't always win the football game. But I tell you what, if there had been a street fight afterwards, our kids would have kicked their butts. You know, that's just the kind of kids we had. Sometimes we weren't the best athletes or whatever. But we had some really tough kids, and we took pride in that. So, you know, that's something I took. And Dave was a big uh, – guy for that and then once I got to helping at Peru Terry Clark gave me the opportunity and and um, you know I learned a lot from him on how to deal with kids he's just straightforward with them no you know no rhetoric or anything and then uh, Dick Ramsey's probably a guy that I in the four years I worked with Dick at Peru I probably learned more football than I learned in the 37 years or whatever prior to that uh, that guy knew more football than anybody. And, and we would just sit in the office and talk about stuff. And, man, he he had a system, and it was simple, made sense. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot from him about not breaking rules because it really helps kids not get confused. And you get confused on a football field, you're, you're dead. So, you know, Dick has been a really – was a big – uh, guy for me, he didn't run option. He ran a little bit of belly-belly option, but we usually seemed like we didn't have any depth of quarterback, and we were scared to death to even throw a, a five-step drop if we had to protect <laughs> the right side man up. He, he said that quarterback's going to end up as uh, tits up, as he'd say. Excuse my language. <laughs> we, uh, He was very, very – I wouldn't say simple, but everything made sense. For doing everything, and I really learned a lot from him. And then, of, far, of course, of, um, you know we were kind of a power uh, inside zone team, and and we we were physical, so that 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 was part of it that I had already you know kind of gravitated toward. But uh, and then uh, Coach Snyder and, and uh, all the young guys talked about Andy Coles and I coaching together on the offensive side. Uh, we just got a lot of good coaches that I've got to be around at Peru State. Coach Snyder's a a triple option guy was a wishbone guy. Um, played on the defensive side at Midland, but when they were a powerhouse in the '70s and '80s, uh, their wishbone team. And then they've run triple option out of multiple different uh, systems, but it's always been triple option, always inside base. So, so that you know, that's kind of where I'm at now, and the, and the guys that have uh, you know had a, an influence on me as it came forward. But you know, it kind of started with that that little failed attempt to walk on and you know uh that rekindled my fire to be you know not only be a teacher but also be a coach so
2: oh, that's awesome coach I wanted to ask you real quick uh being in Nebraska and <clears throat> being an offensive line guy you ever had any interactions
1: with uh, Mel Teniper? Milt uh I've got a story so uh Milt is a was a good friend of ours uh, uh you know uh He was really good with everybody, but, uh, I worked in some summer camps and, uh, and I would go sit in his office from time to time. And, and, uh, uh, we, we, you know, I wasn't a real close friend of his, but I felt like I was a a friend of his as far as coaching went. And, and, uh, we used to work, uh, football camps in the summer. And, uh, we used to go to Mills house at a, he had the world's biggest Weber kettle you could find, fire that thing up. Uh, they'd get some steaks donated for the, all the coaches that were there putting the camp on and some uh, refreshments, adult refreshments, if you want them. And Milt basically would hold court there. He would grill the steaks, and as he's doing it, he would sit down and tell stories. And, and uh, you know, where a lot of his old linemen were either coaching or would come back. And uh, then the, the Nebraska coaches would come. And it was just a really great time. And, and uh, I know a lot of coaches got to, got to share that with him. But I got to know him also on a personal level and, and worked, you know, some of those four, summer camps with him and Dan Young. And, and, uh, uh, and I picked his brain a lot about offensive line play. And I'll be honest we model a lot of what we do, uh, even though it's triple option and maybe it's a little different. A lot of the things we do from, you know, basic fundamentals – uh, it comes straight out of milk. And one of the best books uh, that you could buy is the pipeline by Milt Teneper. And I think his wife's probably still got a case of them in the basement that, you know, not everybody bought them. But boy, if you're an O-line guy, you can't beat that book as far as, you know, talking about how, how they ran things, what they did, the reason why they did this and that. And, uh, it's just a great fundamental book uh, for O-line, but it's called the pipeline by Milt Tenifer, And, uh, um, I know Terry probably still got copies of it sitting in the basement at their house. So, but uh, you know, we he his last day before he passed away, he was at football practice. And be so, yeah. So it was it was sad, but at the same time, uh, he uh, I think you know he was doing what he wanted to do, and he was really happy, and yeah. they welcomed him back and, and be part of the program. So uh, it was like I said, it was sad, but I think uh, you know, I'm glad for him that he's he got to do what he wanted to do and, and uh, leave the earth that way. Yeah,
2: yeah without question. Well, let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Peru State, okay, uh, yeah. co- Coach? Um, what's it like? How long uh, you guys ha- have been running the option concepts, and what uh, what kind of guys are you looking to recruit there and play at
1: Peru? Yeah, so uh, we've been running triple since 2012. When when Coach Schneider took over as O coordinator in uh, uh kind of summer of 2011, we'd been – we'd kind of dinked around with Nevada pistol stuff, and that's what we did in the spring. And then Coach R- Ramsey left in May. And so we kind of didn't want to try to throw everything at the kids. And so we were trying to run some uh, Nevada concept, you know, pistol. There's some – quarterback option involved in it. But as we got into the season, uh, our best quarterback came up in Eligible with a summer class. And we had to kind of throw a freshman in there. And he, he had broken his ankle in the summer playing baseball and put on about 30 pounds. And uh, he was actually a flexible guy before we got him. And But when we got him, he was kind of a tank. So um, we ended up running uh, Nevada stuff but we had a hard time, you know, that freaking five tech from Benedictine or Grandview, just throw our guy on the ground and go tackle the dive backs. So um, we were having a hard time running zone. And uh, so about halfway through the season, uh, we started running uh, kind of a hybrid. We'd run, get in the eye formation and uh, we'd run triple option out of the eye. And if we got in the gun, we'd run, you know, uh, gun stuff. And we were kind of bouncing back and forth. But then in 2012, you know, we went to triple option. We ran out of the eye because we didn't think that uh, our backs would be able to uh, pick up all the blocking that you need to do out of the flex bone. So, so in 12, we were mostly eye, 13, a lot of eye, but still inside veer, midline. We run some outside veer um, and complementary plays off that stuff. And then uh, in uh, 14, we started going more to flex bone. And we've been pretty much flex bone uh, all the time since then. So, you um, know, we always knew about flex bone. We just didn't want to give our kids more than they were able to handle uh, uh, as we got along. So we kind of spoon fed it to them. And then, um, you know, we've been flex bone pretty much since, uh, I'd say, 14, 15, 16, 17, and, and, and 18. So, uh, uh, and that's kind of how we, and it's a deal where, I knew triple option. Coach Schneider knew triple option. Uh, I've, I've run it out of the eye, I've run it out of flex ball. run it out of, out of uh, split backs. Uh, actually, have run it from the gun. Um, so, you know, we all kind of have a, a triple option background, and we really feel like it's the best way to, to uh, move the ball against, uh, you know, superior opponents. So, and then as far as personnel and guys at Peru, Peru's an interesting uh, situation. We're in NAIA school, but we're a state college. So there's three state colleges in Nebraska, Shatner State, Wayne State, and Purdue State. One time, us and the UNK, we were all uh, NEIA schools. Those schools, their enrollment's grown a little bit. They identify more at the Division II level, so they're Division II. We've maintained the NEIA model. And uh, so we're a state college in the NEIA, and most NEIs are small privates, and we happen to be a small public. And so our tuition cost is about a third of, or at least half of what you're going to pay at one of those other places. And we're in a conference morning, <coughs> but they uh, they felt like they'd had some schools jump and go to the go to Division two, and they wanted somebody that was committed to NEIA and we definitely are. So they were able to kind of uh, accept the fact that we are going to, uh, as far as portability, we were going to leverage them that way, but. Pru happens to be in a town of 863 people. you got got 1,000 kids on campus, but we don't have very many people living in town. Uh, it's 20 miles from Nebraska City, which is about 7,000 people, and 12 miles from Auburn, Nebraska, it's about 3,000 people. So it kind of sits in this little rural farming community. It's been there since 1867. Uh, so we're st- we're in our 151st year as, as an institution. But uh, it's just one of those deals as uh, – the area developed in the 1800s and 1900s. Uh, there's no river roads there, and the town just never grew. Uh, college has been there, and we've got a, – it's a great, great place. We've got outstanding facilities, great education, uh, you know, a small campus, so you got a lot of personal relationships, personal uh, contact with professors, you know, very affordable. And then uh, we play in the tough – we think the toughest conference in, in – uh, in America, in the NAIA, in, uh, in the Heart of America Athletic Conference, we got. You know, we won. It's ancient history now, but we won the national championship in 1990. Grandview won it in 2013. Benedictine finished runner up. Missouri Valleys goes for the most most wins in the history of the NAIA in football. Mid american Nazarene's been a perennial uh, football playoff. Uh, Baker's been the runner up. I think three out of the last five years. Um, and then the other team you know evangel didn't make the playoffs and they were nine and two but they lost the last game and and you know it, the way the ratings the selection goes in any that it, it kind of is based on your ratings once you're not a conference champ and they were just outside and and they came up 17th and they didn't get in and they're a good football team so uh we had three teams in the playoffs uh, i think One of the conferences had four, but that's kind of rare. We've had three almost every year. So, you know, it's really good football. So as far as when we talk to kids about coming to Purdue, you're going to play against top competition. So, you know, and about every other year, I think three of the last five years, we've been seven and four. And then, uh, you know, the other years, injuries and things that seem to take a toll on us. And that's the thing is depth can be uh, a problem. You know, especially at the NEIA because you don't, you only got 24 if you're fully funded. So uh, sometimes the depth is is a little different. But the the level of play that the athletes are on the field in the NEIA, there is a, there's minimal difference between that and say, you know, mid level division twos is for sure. Difference probably is the depth. Division twos are going to have more depth than than NEIA. But so, uh, you know, we look for, um, obviously, we look for, you know, really skilled kids at the running back spot, guys with speed. We play with some smaller guys, and we would like to find bigger guys. But if they're 190, 200 pounds and they're fast, uh, usually those guys are not going to be around. They're going to be at D2, D1, and up. So uh, we, But we try to get speed at the, at the slot back. Uh, our fullbacks usually uh, would probably have been a tailback at high school, a guy that uh, has got, you know, good instinct it uh, has got good speed, and that's kind of the guy we've had there. Uh, and then O-line, we'll, we don't have to have the six three, six four, six five guys. And it's kind of a pecking order with O-line. If you're 6'5", and got great feet, uh, the big guys are going to snatch those guys up. And if you start get, going down and getting 6'5", guys that are 3'10", usually they're going to be a little stiff, and they're going to move very well, and that's not going to fit what we want to do. Uh, with uh, what we do with the triple option. So we live with a lot of between six, one, five, ten guys. And, uh, you know, guards got to be a little bigger. Uh, center's got to be a real solid player. Our tackles just need to be athletes. And actually, uh, our, uh, our two tackles, not this year before, were about 290, and they came back at 265 and 255. They just worked out, kind of watched with eight. They were way better players when they lost that weight and then this last year we had one of them back and the other guy was a converted tight end weighed about 245 and those guys can move and they can run and then get up in the next level and they can cut guys and you know that that really is sold me on the guys that tackle just need to be athletic and uh, you can you can get a lot of work on you know we, we kind of have a hybrid guy tight end that we put in the game i, I would say 95 percent of the time they were ineligible because they were in the Three-man surface and covered up, but they didn't know that. They wore a tight end number. <laughs> so. Every once in a while, we'd throw a ball to them in practice. But uh, And then the thing I, I think kind of is overlooked, uh, and we lived it this last season, is the wide receiver spot. Uh, we had two dudes there in, in 17, uh, seniors. And those guys uh, were big play threats no matter what. They would go up and get the ball. You could throw them a 50-50 ball, and they were going to come down with it. Uh, they had great speed. He ran reverse with them. Um, you know, they're going to – they had a threat to go all the way. And they, it really forced defenses to, you know, and, you know, they play man up on those guys. But if if those guys are really dudes, um, you know, that they're going to have to do something different. And it, it puts a little more stress in a secondary. And those safeties can't just be, you know, trigger guys and run fit guys. So, you know, obviously – And we lived that last year. We had a bunch of young wide receivers weren't necessarily as explosive. You know, being young didn't necessarily make some of the plays we needed in a passing game. uh, You know, at 17, we led the NEI in in yards per attempt. Uh, I think with 9-point-something yards per attempt. And and we averaged, uh, I think, yards a catch. You know, we don't throw it a ton, but we probably throw it a little more than some people. And like we tell wide receivers, we don't throw it a lot, but when we do, it's going to be a big deal, and you need to. You need to make sure you catch the damn ball because you're not going to get that many anyway. So.
2: You'll be wide open.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and we sell them, and uh, they buy in if they got a block, and they block their butts off out there, and, and uh, they're physical. We teach them just like their O-linemen. In fact, uh, until this last year when uh, one of our – the former wide receiver coached and they'd been coached by O-line coaches, O-line guys, for probably the last six, eight years. Somebody who was coaching was an O-line coach. And so we started them out – First drill they do is fit, fit and drive, you know fit drive weave, you know elbows tight, thumbs yeah. up, face mask in. You know we're not out here booby, rub, you know, yeah, rubbing their chest. Man. Yeah. Always like say, I mean, what's the defense want to do? What's the first thing they want to do? Well, they want to get separation. Yeah. So why would we block right somebody and create separation for them? We're going to try to crawl, ram our mass through yeah. their plate. So. Um, Kids buy into that, and and we try to be physical out there. Then, obviously, the last thing is a quarterback. The better the athlete and really the most important thing is decision-making. You take a freak athlete, and if he's like a deer in the headlights, man, he's going to kill you. Uh, We've seen that uh, with guys, you know, their eyes don't go where they're reading. They're not looking at the the read key. They're all over the place, you know. They belly back because they want to run around things. They want to run away from stuff. Uh, so one, they got to be good decision makers and then you just hope they're as explosive and athlete as you can find. And some guys have a knack and some guys don't. And, you know uh, our senior list year was a really smart kid for well, I think in the last four years our, our older quarterbacks have had 4.0 GPAs. so that's like the last three guys. but uh, we've been really lucky with uh, uh, finding those guys. The more explosive the kid is, and if he's got a little bit of wiggle to him, um, you know, once you have that decision making ability, and if you could find that, that's, that's the guy that's going to really make the difference. You know, it's like we talked about the guy for Army. You know, he, he runs a play to the left, he gets stuck, he reverses the field and goes 65 minutes <laughs> for to touchdown. It's like, yeah, that damn triple option, man, that's an explosive offense. No, that happened to be that guy, you know. And a hey, hey guy, that's, a, that's guy just guy like Coach Drew, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You go here, you go there. So, so you know, obviously, the the more explosive that guy can be, um, and then you know, just have that knack. And there's guys that that have the knack, and there are guys that don't. You know, we we had a guy uh, played for us, and 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 I think uh, his last season, I don't know, it was probably in four. Yeah. So it was in 15 In 13, he's a freshman play quarterback. Now he might've been a sophomore in 15, 13, but anyway, he broke his leg again. And, uh, that was in 14. He came back in 15. We kept him a quarterback and, and he lost easily lost a whole step and in, in straight line speed, but he did not lose any quickness side to side, making cuts, uh, just making plays happen. And, uh, you know, he he made a lot of things go. And, obviously, once he's gone, then everything else kind of happens for you. So, um, you know, the thing I think we've done better, and part of that is, we, you know, we went down spent two days at Harding and didn't even watch him practice because it rained so much that we just sat inside with Kenny and those guys and, and talked about, you know, triple option stuff, picked up some really good stuff. But I just think – You know, it just got us to thinking that, you know, we want to try to pitch the ball more. And before that, maybe we had tried to uh, block things to help the quarterback run the ball more. And it seemed like uh, if you can get the ball out on the perimeter, that's where you're going to get some big plays. And and it'll also open up some other things for you. So, uh, but, you know, that's kind of what we look like, look for, you know, and I would say O-line, you just need pretty athletic kids. Size isn't very important. And they got to be willing to come off the ball and get after it, and uh, you know. Then I think, obviously, in the backfield, quarterback, fullback is the next situation. You really got to get your two dudes there, halfbacks and speed. And then if you got two good wide receivers, then you you've got it all. And uh, you know, we we recruit the local area, we recruit Omaha, Kansas City, Lincoln. Um, obviously, Nebraska's got a lot of good football players for no bigger population than we have. And then we'll go down to Florida. They, you know, about time the re- they, uh, signing day comes and goes, and then they got all these kids that didn't get signed. And then uh, they put on a lot of recruiting fairs down there. We'll go down and hit those up. And we've got a fair amount of Florida kids here. And then I, we get some Florida, some California kids, mostly just through internet and email. And then we've got, you know, a couple Texas kids. And uh, we've had Oklahoma, you know, uh, kids from, from Ohio in those places so you know we we go all over and and the nice thing is we don't charge out of state tuition so you know i think it's right now it's the whole thing's you know just a little more than sixteen thousand dollars to go to peru state and that's before any kind of scholarship financial aid uh, you know whatever and uh so when we start talking to mom and dad that that you know, when the, the Division Three is telling us $48,000 a year, and then, well, we're going to find a scholarship for you. Hey, that $20,000 scholarship still leaves you 28000 So So, uh, you know, I think, you know, when mom and dad get involved in the conversation, that helps. Um, you know, and we don't pull any punches and say, hey, this is – you go to Peru, you know, if you don't have a car, you're basically – you're reenacting the movie Lost. You're going to be – <laughs> you know, if if you want to go to Walmart, it's 20 miles from Nebraska City, so – but, uh, you know, I tell kids at home. I say, how, how long does it take you to get to the shop? You want to go out to West Roads to the mall, or you want to go to one of the malls, what does it take you? Oh, it's about 20 minutes. Yeah. I say, yeah, you got to worry about stoplights, some guy running a red light, T-boning you, or whatever. I said, here, it's 20 minutes. Uh, difference is, you got to worry about deer, maybe hitting a raccoon or, you know, something like that. So, you know, it's it's all relative, and and uh, kids adjust, and, and – uh, you know, by the time they get to be their sophomore year, they get it all figured out and they, they they can manage living in a small small
0: little farm town. So hey coach, are you guys under center and shotgun or are you just I mean what we are? We're under center.
1: And then our head coach is always worried what are we gonna do if it's third and nine? And I'm just <laughs> run just, trap. Yeah, we're we on <laughs> run just, trap. Yeah, <laughs> And we do run a little screen to the full back. And, uh, so we do have a little gun package, and we try to keep it pretty simple. Um, but to be honest with you, uh, you know, uh, there isn't a whole lot we do out of that gun that's, mm-hmm. that we convert that third nine on. I mean, that's just not something we want to be in. But right. uh, we've looked a little bit at some gun stuff. <clears throat> uh, I've looked a little bit at gun triple, and, and all they're doing is um, – they're running inside veer, and instead of scooping the backside of it, they're fanning the, the what I would call the backside of it. I know that's, in theory, is the front side of the zone, but they're really just inside veer angles, and then they're fanning, and then the back kind of finds it. And a lot of the times, the back's insert point is the same spot you'd hit if you were running inside veer. It tackles down, and he's running off that tackle's butt. Uh, some guys might call it on, it's a backside cut, but... Uh, we looked at that a little bit, uh, but I think we like what we do from under center. And I, we just had a, a staff meeting Wednesday and uh, you know, we've got some ideas, things we want to do, maybe get our, our halfbacks the ball, some different situations where maybe we we would get under center and be in the I formation. And, and, uh, but like we said, we, we got to be careful that we don't start, you know, being a, you know, Jack All Trades Master nuts. So, and that's one thing about the triple option. And I, I've told people that want to install it, you don't dabble in it. Well, so if you're going to run a run, the inside veer and read the inside veer, don't think it's just something you can run. You know, once a week for five minutes, and then, you know, then you'll be good at it. Uh, you've got to commit to it. And uh, so, and we, you know, I think if we sat down and said, "What's our number one play?" We're going to say inside veer. Now, people take it away, and then we'll run other things. But the the to me, you build the offense around from the inside veer, and you want to, as much as you can, be able to run that. So even if we were under center eye formation, we're still going to run inside veer. Uh, we just got to, you know, we know that we're probably going to be unbalanced. And that's what I don't like about being in non-flexible formations is uh, they, can, they can monkey with you. I was just thinking of that on the way home tonight was, you know, well – they're going to put the three tech on our on our strong side. They're going to make us make it hard to run inside rear there. But, but what they won't do is they'll keep. They won't get out of a too high shell, and so they're going to have to outnumbered to the weak side. And then you can't run weak, and you can only run strong. And now they start just gaming that crap out of you on that on the strong side. And then you know then you're kind of banging your head against the wall. So that's why you know if you really think about it, that's why people run flexible it balances things up and you know, we've run it out of the eye. We've run it split back here and you know, it's, it's okay when they're an eight man front, but when they start getting into, you know, four uh, a four shell in the secondary and they got two high safeties, um, they're going to create hell on your weak side. And then you, you're stuck only one on one away. And that's, that's, something I, you know, you got to find ways to get around that. But uh, yeah, we're, we're under center and, you know, I think, we get a, I get a little push uh, that, all well, the kids like being in the gun, and I don't really give a crap what the kids like. But, uh, <laughs> Amen. Then, when they want to come up. They can tell me exactly how, how and why you run these plays and draw it all up, and they got a, a rationale for it, then I'll listen to them. But until then, that's just what they see on TV or they hear their dad talk about it. Oh, <laughs> hell, you ought to that ball more. I don't know why you keep running that one play all the time, run the same play over and over again. They keep putting in the fullback's belly, hey, well, hey, that's three plays in one, and we are not blocking people. You know, as we always say the coaches, yell, they're not blocking you. <laughs> you know, like, huh? so, but, uh, you know, we, we get – I suppose the thing to, for change-up is we're starting to see, you know, we're seeing a lot of defenses built only to stop uh, flexible. You know, the high mic and a 4-3 with the hip backers yeah uh, the safety's triggering the hell out of things corners locked up man that's one we see um, we'll see uh see some 3-3 three, three static with four eyes stack backers the spurs back up in out uh we've seen them tr- get the spurs back and trigger the corners uh all kinds of stuff and then we see some 3-4 four with four eyes and then they'll muck around and lately we've been seeing like a a stack mic and then a shade wheelbacker kind of over the guard. And then they're, they're monkeying around with that. So, you know, you're starting to see some things that, you know, our guys are pretty smart. Unfortunately, we've got some old, uh, got some older coaches that have run wishbone and stuff in their careers. And they know what to do about it and, and where to stop it. So, um, you know, if you, if you had a little change, change up for them and maybe force them back into their standard defense They run all the rest of the time against spread teams, then that might help us a little bit. And there, there's two teams that run uh, flexible in our conference, us and William Penn. And usually first half of the season seems like we're following William Penn. So they'll play a team and then we'll play them, play them a week later or two weeks later. We got a fair idea what they're going to do, especially if it worked a little. And then uh, then the kind of second half of the season, it's kind of flips over and they follow us. and. So, uh, uh, but, you know, you never know. You got to just you kind of go, well, what did they do last year? What they do against Penn? And then what do you think they might do against us? Uh, it's still a crapshoot a lot of times coming on game day, what they're going to do. But uh, the, the longer the coaches stick around, the more that we kind of know. And the better teams, they have an answer. And it's not too far away from what they do as their standard defense. And I know everybody's talked about that. that you know, the best defense is – to stop triple is your defense and just execute it and be disciplined you know it's it's kind of like a, a marathon race you know we just say we're going to be able to run longer and harder than you are going to be able to execute the fundamentals you've only practiced in a week so sooner or later your kids will screw up we won't and we'll get you so you know I, I to me that just that's a real simple way to put it but I, that's that's what I really like about the offense. It puts the stress on them, and and uh, you know they're they're going to be wrong no matter what.
2: Any so, coach, you guys, you guys uh, believe in running some zone option
1: at all? We, you know what? We didn't know enough about it to do it. And then uh, at AFCA convention, uh, I was talking with uh, Larry and Got a hold of me, and we were going to get together. He had some questions about uh, trying to keep the backside linebacker in place. And, I don't know if I gave him an answer, but it's like, well, do this and this, and you hope it works. But uh, he happened to get a hold of uh, Danny O'Rourke, who uh, uh, helps with the old line at Navy. had coached the halfbacks prior to that, been in the Navy for 17 years. And we sat down for two hours, and, and Coach uh, O'Rourke went over zone option, And uh, he gave us the whole scheme that they use at Navy mostly out of compressed formation, which they I think they call flex. Uh, we call it uh, close. But they compress that wide receiver down. And then based on what you do and what the front looks like, they got tags they put on it, just like we do on Inside Veer. We tag a bunch of stuff with that. They tag that play. And basically, it's uh, – he said, if you're think about it, it's like in the I formation, you run outside zone, the one back, you know he's gonna he's gonna have these options in the way you block it, and that's what the quarterback is. He's the really the tailback in one back offense. He's he's replacing that guy when they run it. So we got a ton of uh, notes from him. They probably spent of the two hours or so we met probably uh, hour forty five. We were talking about that that one play, and then all the tags. You know, if it's an even front, they got some calls. If it's an odd front, they got another call. If the the overhang lines up inside of your wide receiver. You do one thing if he hangs it outside. You got another look you can do. But basically, it's just it's a really simple play, and uh, we just didn't know enough about it to install it last year. But it's something that I think, especially if you've got a quarterback like you see some of those guys have, they can get out and go. Uh, they rarely pitch it, but they do. They do have a pitch phase to it. So. Um, their whole thing was they were getting a lot of corner fire. And that was how like army and air force are messing with them. And that was their answer to uh, be able to deal with that corner fire. And so they, one, when you squeeze that thing in, you're pretty well, you're pretty well, or sure the corner is going to be the force guy. And so then they know he's the force guy and then they can, they can manipulate that piece. And it was really, really informative. And that's the thing I think, and, and I think it would be true about anything you're doing in football, the more you can actually go to somebody and sit and talk to them and spend some time with them. That, that's, that's so much, so valuable, you know, and I know you can get great things from clinics, but sometimes, you know, you just don't get enough and then you're, you know, you're left trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, it seems like if you can go somewhere and spend time with them, that's, uh, uh, really the, the best way to, to get things and, and if you're going to try to adopt something uh, you know do that and then I think coaches are really good and if you got questions you can always come back to them and, and uh, it's uh, you get a you can get a chance to communicate back and forth and ask questions and that seems like especially with what goes on with the, uh, the message board that you guys have and, and the coaches there and everybody's helping they really just got a ton of problem solvers that are sharing ideas and i think it's just tremendous what's uh, what's available there
2: it really it really is i mean when you go to a clinic like um i don't know you go to the afca or uh one of these Glazer clinics and you, you got a 50 minute presentation it's the yeah. generic cookie cutter powerpoint yeah. slide you know what i mean uh, it's it's all about sitting down with somebody building a relationship and like you said man being able to Call them in 30 days after you put it in and, like, hey, I've got this issue. Can I send you this film? Help me out, brother.
1: (laughs) No, that's, you know, and that's, I think that's one of, in general, that's one of the great things about football coaches is, uh, I always say, if you go to a bar somewhere, uh, the basketball coaches are all going to be sitting alone in booths, not around anybody because they're never thinking somebody's stealing something from them. Uh, The wrestling (laughs) coaches are, fight somewhere or they're arm wrestling or something and the football coaches are going to be sitting and they're going to have a napkin out and they're drawing plays and they're sharing stuff and I and just uh, you know I don't know maybe it's not smart but I, I that's the thing I love about football coaches is they just it's one big fraternity well and I always say we all got the first same first name we're all brothers uh, our first name's coach and uh, you know it's it's just tremendous I, and I don't know why it is, but it just seems like co- football coaches are willing to share, and, uh, you know, I, I make fun of the other coaching uh, professions, the other sports, but but I know football coaches are really willing to share, and they want to help other people, and, you know, uh, you know, I think that's one of the great things about our profession, so.
2: Absolutely, man. Hey, Coach, I know one of the things, uh, uh, you, you're on the Telegram with us and everything, and uh, somebody said uh, – that you, you 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 taught Jesus how to reach and ride. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I get that now. It's like, oh, uh, uh, well, something will come up, or somebody else. I'll know somebody, and they go, "How do you know him?" I said, "Well, I, I met him." But God, Jesus, you know, and I I to I got a yeah, pretty embarrassed about it, but I got an award, uh, AFCA award, about three years ago. My wife's all excited about it. She went with us and went to the. Uh, ceremony and all that and, and i told somebody i said hey if you live long enough everybody's either going to retire or die and it's kind of like attrition you know they don't have anybody else <laughs> to give it to so,
0: you know, <laughs> this guy's still around well, I, um, I don't know man you're downplaying that <laughs> that, that afca assistant coach of the year award is a big deal man yeah i i just you know i felt really honored to have it
1: uh, i know other guys that, uh, have won it. I also know other guys that, that really deserve it. That you know, it basically like I said, you live long enough and, you know, you kinda uh there's not much guys left and you know the right guys maybe you know somebody, but you know, really it's just uh you know, you do what you can to help a program and, and uh um you know I've I felt really honored to have that but uh you know it's really for the our program and, and really for Peru State and and uh, not, I don't necessarily see it as something of mine. So, uh, you know, my young coaches they kind of laugh at me because I've got it sitting up on a shelf behind a picture of my grandkids or something. And I said, well, "Why don't you hang that on the wall?" And I said, you know, "It's not a big deal." So, uh, but you know, I do have it there. I know it's there. I just, uh, I'm just not gonna, you know, make a big deal of it. But you know, I was really honored. And I guess my wife, uh, we've been married uh, going on 37 and be 38 years. It's uh, uh, June, I I think she was pretty uh, pretty excited about it, I and mean, she's been there every step of the way. So it's been a, uh, so that was really her award. Yeah, it really is. She's she's been a real trooper and been very supportive of everything we've done, and and uh, you know and you know I when you're coaching, you know how it is. You're, you, yeah. Your time is taken up, and sometimes you're not around them when maybe they need you around, it, but. Uh, but luckily, you know, I, my kids all grew up and they're all right. And I got to get what I get done here. I'll call my son back and we'll work on some math problems. So, but uh, my one son is a coaches in Lincoln and is a guidance counselor. And then my son-in-law is a co-defensive coordinator in Omaha. And then my daughter coaches volleyball. And then my son in Texas, uh, uh, he's a little part-time flag football guy. And then uh, uh, my daughter lives here with, with her kids. So I'm pretty lucky with my family. So it's been good.
2: Well, that's awesome. Well, Coach,
1: I, if
0: you, uh, go ahead, Tony.
2: I was just going to share with you his response, man, uh, when somebody said that. He said, yep, Jesus never made a bad read. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> no, that was sure. awesome. Yeah. Uh, that guy's 100%. He's yeah. <laughs> always on the bike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, you know, and it's funny, but that's – the the technique has changed a little bit over the 40-some years, but that's still that ride-and-decide that uh, Emery Ballard was, you know, doing. You know, the footwork's a little different now than maybe the aiming points. A little, but you know what? That doesn't look a lot different now than it did back when – you know, I still bring up a film of Billy Sims running the double dive in the wishbone. You know, they'd, they'd run the fullback through there, and then they'd hand it to him off tackle. Yeah. Rip Nebraska open running it, you know, and everybody's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's, it's still probably – to me, it's the most beautiful play is when that quarterback step back, meshes, and rides with that fullback, and then all of a sudden he pulls the ball. He's on the – you know, he's out there in his pitch. And everybody's going, where in the hell is the football? Who had it? <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, then you get that inadvertent whistle because those guys in the strike
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I tell you. It's Been like there. North
1: I thought the fullback had the ball. Hey, you dumbass! He's running down. That's
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know
1: we've had that happen, so that's frustrating. But so, but uh, yeah, that I mean that that's funny that there's all the other things that happen in football, but that putting the ball in there and riding it that hasn't changed. I mean that's that, and that goes clear back to the the old uh, you know split T stuff. So. Um,
2: tried and yes. true there you go tried and yep, true
1: yep it
0: still works so, but, uh, well we we know you gotta get to your son and get some math done there so you gotta get to your second job right <laughs> a little bit of geometry so yeah um, so. but but coach we it's been a blast we we really appreciate you coming on man i you know it's been awesome and uh you know hope hope your spring practice yep. goes well and the yep. recruiting finishes up well and best of luck to you
1: all right i i just appreciate the chance to chat with you guys and, and like i said I, uh, what you guys do with the especially you know football football coach in general but us triple option guys that's uh uh that's that's just great and uh like i said it, it's a really uh honor to be here and talk and and but i, I just love what you guys do it's a lot of fun so uh Thanks a lot. And and, then we'll all, uh, hopefully, we'll all go undefeated next fall. There you go. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's right. That's right. Each other, right? (laughs) Absolutely. That's going to wrap this episode of the Mesh Point podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, you can download our podcasts at Apple iTunes. You can go on to rate us if you think we're any good and maybe leave us some comments about some things you'd like to hear in future episodes. Also, you can download it on the new Google Podcast uh, application and on Stitcher. Again, I'm Matt McCloud. You can reach me on Twitter at RunTheTriple. Again, that's at RunTheTriple on Twitter. Our MeshPoint podcast has its own Twitter page, and that's at TheMeshPoint. Again, on Twitter, at TheMeshPoint. You can also find me on FlexBoneNation.com. I run an option blog there. We also have a forum where you can connect with coaches across the country, and I've just added a new uh, section entitled Podcast where you can download future episodes. All right, Tony, I want you to let everybody know how they can get you on social media. All
2: right, guys, go to 3 Face Football on Twitter, at 3 Football, and uh, you'll you'll be able to follow my account. and um, The cool thing about it is, is every Monday we do something called Mesh Point Monday, and basically I'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic it's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and uh, to, to get together and network and and uh, get to know each other and you know we'll talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch uh, catch that every Monday, eight o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag MeshPoint to see everybody's responses uh, to to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great great way to uh, build our networks and, and and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter, so it's real cool. Also, check out the website, threefacefootball.net. We've got some cool gear, like Fear the Veer, you'll see in the background here. Uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, mesh point gear, and and other things like that. So uh, go check out that website as well.